Welcome to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast, where we do shows even on the eve before the holiday eve. Um, for those who celebrate Hanukkah, that's coming to an end. Those who celebrate Christmas, your holiday is, is almost upon us. And Jay, for those who celebrate Kwanzaa, we still <laughs> have no idea when it is. Although, although it is Festivus today. Festivus for the rest of us? Yeah, it's time to air our grievances. And we may just be doing that today on the Workshop Wrestling Podcast. I think Festivus is going to be more for next week, but we'll see how it goes. Now, that voice you heard there was Jason Brooks. I'm Corey Richmond, which if you, this isn't the first time you've heard the show, you know the two of us. We've been doing this now for 53 weeks. 53 weeks. A long time. Actually, I'm sorry. That's, that's more than a year. We've been doing this for like 51 weeks. We're almost at the one-year anniversary for this show, which uh, if you would have told me back when we decided to go and do it after the first roar of the year and hearing some of the stuff that happened, I don't know if we would have made it this far, but you know what? we got one more week until the year mark. I'm excited to see what we do next year. But while we're still in this year, we do our usual first segment, talking a little bit about Raw, talking maybe a little topic of the day. And then when we come back from our first break, we do something a little bit different. I know a lot of shows do this, but you know what? If they do it right, if an idea is done right, I got no problem doing it myself. We're going to talk a little bit about best and worst of the year, best wrestler, best angles, best announcers, worst announcers, which I'm sure there'll be quite a few of them. You know, best, best promotion, best TV show, best female wrestler, best podcast. Oh, what, what am I saying? That's the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. That's us. But, uh, Jason, you saw Raw last night. I watched Raw at, you know, basically 4 a.m. this morning when I woke up from uh, waking up way too early to go to work in the morning. Um, I thought Raw was just another long show. I mean, match quality, I thought there was three solid matches. It was yeah. It was more talent on that show than I expected. I mean... I think yeah, we, they let the guys. They let the guys go at it. I mean, they 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 really let the guys go at it. That's I, what I was surprised about. And you know what? We'll talk about this next week. But and I know everyone says this, and there's nothing we can do about it. As long as Bonnie Hammer and the people at USA Network are willing to give you know the rights fees that they are, how much better would Raw be if it was two hours, not three hours and ten minutes every week? My God, there was some good stuff, but that show just felt like most weeks it just dragged. And but like I said. We're trying to be positive, at least for the first couple of moments of the show. But, Jay, was there anything out of Raw that really stuck out to you this week? Um, I really enjoyed the uh, Dolph Ziggler match. I thought it was tremendous. Um, I even – there were parts of the Cena Rollins match I enjoyed. I did not enjoy the ending at all. Um, but definitely Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper stood out to me. Um, I thought that the Ambrose-Wyatt uh, match – it was too much. Again, we've seen it before. They've done a bunch of these matches, and I was kind of over it. But uh, overall, they really let the talent go at it, and I thought it was a it was a better show than I thought it was going to be. You know, it's one of those things where, like you, I wasn't thrilled with the ending of the uh, of the match for the opener, which was once again, like we said last week, Cena and. Rollins have really good chemistry, and at this point, they can almost do that type of match in their sleep and still have a quality match. But as the show went along, you kept on seeing 
faces or the good guys win pretty much every match until uh, the Miz, which he's with Sandow, so it's kind of like that's a face with reaction wise. But you know, this Fandango one, who's a heel, nobody cares about. No one cares about. It. But but Corey, what about the idea though that Rollins is the top heel right now in the company, other than Brock Lesnar? He lost to Ziggler on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Then Cena said, "I'm gonna beat him," and then he just beat him. With and, and Rollins had three guys to try to help him, or two, you know, J and J, and they got their ass kicked. And then he he lost clean. I just I, I think that's a bad way to book him. You know what I mean? I I didn't think that was a good way to book Rollins, trying to build him as a continue to build him as a strong heel. Again, you could say whatever wins and losses don't matter. But I think in this case, it would have been nice to not have him just just beat Rollins. It would have been nice to have, you know, some DQ, maybe a count out, something else. I just think beating him clean in the wind doesn't help Rollins at all. And it I doesn't help Cena that much either. I don't disagree with you, but you got to remember, Cena's the one who's who they have to hype up for the title match at, at, uh, at the Rumble. So, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, and... I didn't love the fact that he lost. I didn't love the fact that he lost clean. But I think that when we're looking at the big picture of the Royal Rumble, I mean, the better thing is you could say Cena maybe should have beat somebody else. And then that's either- what I mean. Have him beat, have him beat anybody, but not the second biggest heel in the company. Have him beat anybody else. And that's the other thing. The way Cena goes now, he's Hogan, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't really need to win these matches. And this isn't like Dean Ambrose and they're scrambling to get this guy a win. He, he doesn't need to win these matches. He doesn't losing the match. You could say whatever, but he does not need to win the match at all. That, you know, it's just my personal opinion. I agree, but you know, if you listen to all of these different podcasts out there, and yes, there are other ones besides us. We will we will admit that most aren't as none good. Are, none that are better, but they are out there, right? But if you listen to a lot of these podcasts with, you know, former WWE writers on them, the whole thing that most of them say is that Vince McMahon believes that, you know, Cena, if he ever loses, he has to get immediately get that, you know, his win back to continue to look like the, the strong, the strong guy. I mean, you even you brought up last week, there aren't that many people who beat Cena clean. And when he does lose, we have to expect that he's going to get his win back. And sometimes you wish he gets the win back. It wasn't against a guy who needs, you know, most likely needs wins as bad as he does. But you know what? I think Rounds has been booked strong enough, and the character is he's a guy who can go in the ring, but he's also a guy who's most likely a little bit lost without the authority. And I think that, you know what, him, him losing... It stinks, but I think that him him being in the matches consistently with Cena still puts him on a level where he's giving Cena these matches that he Cena's barely winning. So I don't. I, it hurts. It hurts Rollins, but I don't think it kills Rollins. No, I don't think it kills Rollins. I just, I just don't think. I just didn't think it was necessary. Um, as far as the rest of the show, it was pretty ho hum. You know, and I and I want to talk about this when we do predictions and. You know, I was trying to go through the old paper, you know, the pay-per-views from the current year and some of the other stuff. And I just have some views on that that I want to get to. But, you know, man, they can't give you anything on Raw but Ho-Ho Hogan. You know what I mean? Like, 
It was hor- that first segment was horrible. It was so useless and bad um, compared to the uh, Rollins' first segment with Cena the, the, on SmackDown. It was such a bad first segment. It's like, why have Hogan on there to do that? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't like that. I thought the Rusev thing with Piper wasn't good at all. I thought that was silly. Um, I don't know. I thought there was just a lot of there were a couple of good matches and a lot of filler. Uh, what was your opinion about the about the the um, Ambrose Wyatt match? I don't know. We've seen it. Like, what are we gonna get out of this? Well, I think that's the end of the. I think first of all, that's the end of the feud. Bray got the win, but the last image you see or hear is Dean Ambrose's music and him, you know, with the maniacal smile, basically showing that I think it's over. I mean, I think I think that this it wasn't a bad match. I just I think that you can be doing so much more with each one of these guys. I think Bray Wyatt feels like a lost puppy right now, and I think Dean really doesn't. I don't know what they want to do with Dean Ambrose. I mean. You could see anywhere from Dean Ambrose being, you know, winning the Rumble to Dean Ambrose being, you know, a forgotten figure in the Rumble. You know, I mean, it, it's a very slippery slope when it comes to Dean Ambrose. And I really think that they've dropped the ball on what could have been a huge push for Dean Ambrose. And at the same point, you want to say at least that push that should be going to Ambrose appears to be going with Dolph Ziggler right now. And I guess you could say that's a positive. But at the same point, you say... Can this creative team, you know, give pushes to more than, you know, one or two guys at a time? You know, so, I mean, there's... Every time you feel positive, you have a negative doubt going in your mind. Yeah, I mean, the positive you could say for Ambrose is he's headlined, you know, he helped headline the um, Hell in a Cell Mm -hmm. with Rollins, headline the TLC pay-per-view, headline this, you know, this um, uh, Raw. So he's been main eventing these shows. So he's still a significant part of the show. You know, it's not like he's like Cesaro's losing on superstars. You know what I mean? Like, he's still a significant part of the show. But at some point, and I know, and I feel like they're building him up as this guy who's just crazy, and it doesn't matter if he wins or if he loses. He just doesn't matter. But at some point, and I'm sure they've thought about this, you need to give the guy some wins here and there. Don't know how they do it they're going to have to start moving in that direction. So we'll see. Um, as for Bray, he's, you know, doing the same thing that he's been doing. Um, I am glad he got the win. Um, I, I like seeing Bray win. I, I'm, I'm glad they're, they're pushing him a little bit. Um, but I don't know where they go next with him. I think there's a lot of guys who we think we have an idea where they may go with him, but we're not exactly sure. So we'll see where the Bray stuff goes. Yeah, and... Um... I'm honestly, you know what, I've, I've actually liked his promos more the last two weeks than I've liked in a while because they feel like more coherent messages, not the, not the, I mean, I think his style is very good, and I know you're a big fan of him, you've been a fan of his for a while, but I felt a lot of his promos before the last couple of weeks were kind of just like rambling of a madman, and these last two weeks I feel like he's been a lot more coherent, and I think he's finding a different way of doing promos. Just like I think, you know, a guy like Ziggler over the last, like, two weeks has maybe changed his promo style a little bit, and I think it's been better. So I think that, I think there's positivity that can be taken from some of these characters, but it's going to be interesting to see 
as we get it, yes, I know this is a phrase that said will be said 4,000 times on television over the next couple of weeks or months. But as they get to that road to WrestleMania, at least I'm starting to see a little bit of character development that I really like from some of these guys that I wasn't sure where they were going. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The last thing I want to I, um, I want to ask you, and you may have more for me before we end the segment, but and they're pushing the guy and not the title, and I get that. But of course, I think this is the most relevant. To, I, and I've talked about this on Twitter at Work Shoot Pod. I think this may be the most relevant the IC title has been in years. It's been a long time. And, you know, a lot of it's because of Ziggler. I mean, they're pushing the guy, not the title, which is always, you can say, is a problem, but it is what it is. But they're making that title mean something. They're making it more relevant. And, you know, it's good to see. It's, it's a nice positive to see. Um, have you thought about that? And, and if so, what are your views on it? What do you think? Um, I think that Ziggler is... I think I think Ziggler is a very is is in a very interesting spot. They've always said that Ziggler was a great worker, but he's had to you know slow down his pacing and not being working you know four thousand miles an hour. What you could see in these last couple of months, he's actually been doing that. He's been working. He's still you know a bumping machine. He still makes everyone look great, but he looks like he's telling he's becoming a better storyteller. And I think as long as he he does that, it's gonna help him become more than what he is. And I'm not sure if I care any more about the IC title than I have in the, you know, in the last, you know, a couple of years, but I do care about when he's in a match. And I think that's, I, I think that it, maybe it, it pumps up the title a little bit, but I really am not sure how to go and quantify what what him having the title means, and if the title is any more relevant than it was, you know, before he won the title back, or the last time he had a title, you know. So I'm not sure where to go with that. Okay, all right, that's fair. I, I think for the most part, you're right in that. I think it's usually the guy that's hyped up, and he may or may not have the title. But they're doing this, you know. Is this going to be the year of Ziggler and? He's going to be the man in 2015. They're not saying, is he going to be the champion? They keep saying, is he going to be the man? And I mean, what do we see? Do we see them? Do we see him getting the big push? Do we see him getting a big spot on WrestleMania, in WrestleMania? Do we see him being one of the last four guys in the Rumble? I mean, or are they just hyping us up for nothing? And again, injuries aside, anything can happen. But I mean... It seems like they're behind them. Um, I could I see him being one of the last four guys in the Rumble. Yeah, could I also see him being the guy who does basically kind of what's before uh, the injury, what CM Punk did last year, which basically was you know was the workhorse for the majority of the match. I could see going either way. I mean, I still think but the narrative they're the narrative they're painting. On TV, mm-hmm. the narrative they're painting is that this guy is going to have a significant role in the next year. It also makes you wonder what is a significant role in their opinion. You know, I mean, is it being is it being able to go and main event uh, Raws and you know being someone that is marketable enough to be you know a headliner on a house show when Cena you know can't be there, or is it being a guy who's actually going to be you know a top contender for the title? I mean. 
you know, you always hear that McMahon, Vince McMahon doesn't consider himself a wrestling promoter. He considers himself, you know, a sports entertainer. So if you listen to the Austin podcast, decent podcast, you know, pretty good. Okay. It's there. Uh, <laughs> but if you listen to, you know, when he, when he was on there, he, whenever uh, Austin brought up the word wrestling, you know, it, lo- it looked like, you know, you know, a bug crawled up his ass and he was trying to get out of there, you know, get out of the room. So, I mean, at least the public persona that Vince McMahon puts out there is wrestling is not what he does. Wrestling is part of, you know, the stage show, but it's not the most important thing. So I don't know. I mean, I, I can see it going a lot of different ways. Do, but if you put a gun to my head, is he, will he be one of the f- last four guys in the Rumble? I think you got to say yes right now. But, I mean, I think that I think there's a very good chance the last three guys in the Rumble – are going to be the three members, of the three four members of the Shield, and then you have one other guy who can, you know, who could be anybody, you know. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Now, one other thing I liked about Raw, and I don't know how much you were paying attention at this point because Raw does what it does. I kind of, I kind of, oh, oh so <laughs> absolutely. But I, I like the not not the uh, the six six diva match, but I liked the one on one match between. Not the match itself, but the story was telling between Brie and uh, Natalia, where they're setting up for the Rumble, it looks like, Natalia versus Nikki Bella. And my favorite thing by far on the show, it's a small thing, and if you don't watch NXT, you won't get the reference, but if I was going to buy another wrestling shirt besides the Bullet Club shirt that I have that I love, and I don't even know if it's a WWE shirt or not, but our boy, Tyson Kidd, wearing a shirt that just said the word fact on it, I marked out for a second. I must say, that that, that might have been my favorite part of Raw. Anybody who doesn't watch NXT would have no idea what we're talking about right now. But I just want to say, Tyson Kidd's shirt, that was a fact. Yeah, it, it is a fact. Um, didn't watch the segment at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I know they're doing the kind of thing where they're thanking Tyson, you know, on Twitter and um, Natalia can have a good match with anybody. So, um, you know, I'm sure that'll be entertaining. Corey, what about this, though? The Ascension. They're coming Welcome next to week. the Wasteland. <sighs> next week on Raw. Oh, my head. I got a, I got a question for you. Now, this is, yeah. this is totally out there, and I think there's no chance that it has any relevance. But do you know sure. who's, do you know whose finishing move was called Wasteland? No idea. Wade Barrett. It's totally out there, and I don't think it would ever have anything to want to do with the other. But they mentioned Wasteland like three times in each. And they mentioned generic random <laughs> shit, Corey. It is the most generically written. They're the most generically written promos. A business is our pain, and it is our pleasure. And we're, I mean, it's the most <laughs> bootleg as written stuff ever. I got my 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 students. Um, write this stuff. My uh, seventh grade students write this stuff. Write a promo for these two guys who look like cornballs. Plain is my pleasure and my business is your business and I'm gonna... I, I think one has literally nothing to do with the other. I, I think more than anything else I just want to see Wade he Barrett back. Doesn't even, he doesn't even use that as his finisher anymore either. He used the bullhammer. Right. I remember I'm just... I was... I don't know. I heard Wasteland last night for the third time and I went... I know we spoke about Wade Barrett on the show last week, and uh, I really well, want to see Wade. Well, what do you see them doing? What do you see them doing next week? What do you see them? 
who are they gonna who are they gonna beat up? The El Matadors? Is it gonna be a quick match? Do you see the fans reacting to them in any in any way, or they're just gonna be like, who the hell are these guys? Um, what do you think? I could see I could see them figuring out a way to get Heath Heath uh, Heath Slater and uh, Tyson O'Neill back back together for a week just to get killed. I don't know. I mean, I could I mean if they can get you know Heath Heath out of whatever legal problems he has, you know. But before we go to break and start the, the, the really fun part of the show, not that this hasn't been fun, Jason, you brought up something to me that I believe was first mentioned in the uh, Talking Shop podcast on MLW Radio, which is a really fun, irreverent uh, 30-plus minute show every week, you know, because Rocky Romero doesn't want to go any longer than that. Um, but AJ Styles was on this show, and he mentioned that he had no interest in going to the WWE, and also maybe the best tag team, and he might be, they might be our one of ours, possibly tag team of the year when we get into it. But the Young Bucks have said that they have, they've turned down an offer to go and wrestle, you know, to join the WWE. Now, I think you can look at this in many ways. I mean, it's always nice for someone to say that they they got an offer and they said no, so they look like. Even bigger, Young Bucks are maybe the biggest thing on the independence right now, and the amount of money they're making right now is most likely wouldn't be the amount that they would be getting on their downside with the WWE to go to developmental. So, I mean, it's really interesting that somebody of the popularity right now, but on the indies of the Young Bucks, has said possibly has said no to the WWE. What's your take on this? Yeah, I think... So there's a lot of things. I talked about this a lot on Twitter, um, at work, shoot pod with a few people, you know, and some of them said, you know, good for them and you know, they don't need it and blah, 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 blah. I mean, the one thing that I, that I've said is that yes, they're on the Indies and yes, they're doing great in Japan. Um, but you know, they are from this country and raw does have 3.5 million people that watch it every week or WWE. You have, you know, 3.5 million people that watch it every week. You can get an amazing exposure. Um, you can make money. And AJ did point out that the network is struggling. And so guys don't know the payouts and things like that. And that's an issue. So that's definitely an issue. But I think there's a lot of ways you can go with this. I think you could say that this is really good for wrestling. And the fact that these guys have enough opportunity along with Guys like Del Rio and, and Punk, their, their circumstances are a little bit different. But the fact that guys can turn down an opportunity to go to the biggest company in the world, and maybe not the best company in the world, but definitely the biggest, the the, the fact that they can turn that down um, says a lot about wrestling, about the money that's in wrestling, the fact that these guys can go out there and do well and do some other things. Um, but it also tells you maybe people are, aren't as the WWE is the creme de la creme and the be-all end-all. And that's something maybe the WWE has to think about a little bit. Um, NXT is great. And, you know, obviously. But we see Raw every week. And it's the same crap every week that we always complain about. And if you're a team like the Young Bucks, and they seem to be kind of different, kind of quirky guys anyway, and you go there... And you're, you know, jobbing out to the El Matadors at the eight o'clock hour of Raw. 
when you can go to, you know, stay in Japan, work the Indies, and really work on your schedule and do what you want to do, you know, why do you want to be a part of that? So I think you could really take this a lot of ways. I guess I was curious to see what, what your thoughts were, whether this is good for wrestling, whether this is bad for the WWE, whether, you know, uh, just basically your general thoughts on it. Well, you know what? McMahon is always, I'm going to bring up this Vince McMahon guy again. I, I think you may have heard of him. Uh, so th- the thing sure. that supposedly drives him is competition. And if there's the idea that there's other competition that people would rather go to than the WWE, maybe, I mean, yeah, the Young Bucks, who, you know, maybe in the, in the, the larger picture, who cares? But there's enough people who are willing to go other places and not there. It might motivate Vince and his staff to actually give us a better product. I mean, I, I know that's a little bit of a pipe dream because he really is, you know, the only game in town. Um, I mean, I, I, I love the Young Bucks. I think that what they've done over the last, you know, couple of years since the failed experiment in uh, Impact slash TNA Wrestling... Again, full credit, and you know they have a gimmick that works with uh, the super kick party, and you know they're they're very big on the indies, and for them it works, but for other people it may not. And you know you don't want I don't know if you want to get these this idea in some of these you know independent wrestlers' mind that they they don't need the WWE because most acts need the WWE, not WWE needing them. Yeah, I. I... I agree with you. Um, I think that, you know, we see this with Prince Devitt slash Finn Balor. You know, we see this with Owens. I mean, Kevin Owens was doing well, I believe, on the independence. And he could have stayed and made that. But he wanted to go to WWE because that's where he felt like his career was headed. And that was his, the next step for him. And he's also said this is where it's always, he's always wanted to go. I just think that it's interesting in terms of these guys turning it down. And the Young Bucks are not that young anymore. I mean, I believe they're both close to 30. And I guess they've downplayed it in in comments saying that it's not like they're refusing to go to WWE, but they just have things they have to do and things that they want to do before that may be an option for them. But, I mean, if you're the Young Bucks and you're making a certain amount of money, you know, why, you know maybe you don't want to go there. Maybe you don't want to deal with all that, deal with the politics, deal with how stifling it is deal with how difficult it is to make it to the top. And AJ, at his age, he's 36. Like, he's got to, you know, he can't mess around in NXT wrestling these young guys. He, he wants to go make some money. So, I don't know, it's interesting. But the biggest thing that I take away from this is it means that wrestling is healthy. You know, I, I think it means that wrestling is healthy, that these guys can wrestle in the independence, make a living, still do okay, and not clamor to go to WWE you know, at the first sign of trouble. So, you know, it's good to see. Uh, also, maybe it gives you the idea that, I don't know, there could be another major U- U.S. company, major U.S. wrestling company, if it's done right. And that's something we could talk about, you know, another time, but, you know, we'll see. Um, all right, so we're going to go to break now, and we're going to talk about the best of and worst of of 2014 is our first year doing the podcast we got a lot of thoughts on a lot of things that happened and we'll be talking about all that and more you're listening to the work shoot wrestling podcast i believe i believe in ec3 
I said I was going to beat Kurt Angle, and I beat Kurt Angle. I just tore his ACL. So, Kurt Angle, if that's your last match, what better way to go out than passing the torch to me? TNA, you have sent me meager legend after meager legend, and I have sacrificed them upon my altar. All of your heroes are failing you. I am the future because I destroy the past. Welcome back to best slash worst of the year on the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. But before we get into uh, these dicey, to say the least, most of the opinions on how much we love and hate things this year, uh, let's quickly just talk about our sponsor who's been with us pretty much from the beginning of this show, Punch.co, P-U-N-C.co. They have some great attire, T-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, with great graphic tees on them of some of the classic figures of Kurt Cobain, um, Jimi Hendrix. But if you go and and buy something from Punch.co, at checkout, if you put in the promo code SHOOT, S-H-O-O-T, in capital letters, the whole entire thing, you will get 15% off of your total order. So once again, if you put in SHOOT, S-H-O-O-T in capital letters, which if you don't do that, it's not going to work. Because like I told you last week, I tried, and I didn't get my 15% off while testing this out. So put in SHOOT in capital letters, you get 15% off at Punch.co, and they have worldwide free shipping. You yeah. help them. And, the good, and, of course, the good news is you won't get it in time for Christmas because Christmas is in two days, but you will get it in time for Kwanzaa. <laughs> Do you know when Kwanzaa is? I think it ends on the 30th. So I think you'll get it in time for Kwanzaa. So shoot all in caps, free worldwide shipping. They've got cool T-shirts, cool sweatshirts. Put in shoot. I'm not going to guarantee you'll get it in time for the end of Kwanzaa, but I believe you will. And it's a great Kwanzaa gift. Uh, Kwanzaa. Awesome. Uh, for those who listened to the podcast last week, you'll you'll understand why we're having so much fun with the Kwanzaa. And for anybody who does celebrate Kwanzaa, have a great uh, Kwanzaa this year. And like I said, if you celebrate Hanukkah, hope it's been good. And if you celebrate Christmas, that's right around the corner. So uh, while you're drinking a little of that eggnog, and maybe there's a little more nog than egg in it this year, take you know, hopefully we'll be giving you a good listen, good laugh on Did the way. Do you like eggnog? Um, not particularly. I mean... I one of the people that I used to work with used to make eggnog, and it would get you effed up big time because she put a lot more uh, alcohol than you know whatever else is supposed to be in eggnog. So I don't know; it's never been my, my particular taste, but if it's can be good, I guess. Yeah, I've had eggnog a few times, and it doesn't. I don't know; it doesn't do anything for me. Just give me like Jameson or something like that. Like don't don't trick me. I hear just you. Give me you know, just give me the whole thing. All right, let's go to this best of, worst of, what we're going to do, Corey. Where, where do you want to Where do you want to start us off with? You know, let, let's start big. Let's start with wrestler of the year. And we're going to break this into two different things. Male wrestler of the year, female wrestler of the year. So I don't want anybody to be like, you guys are, all, you know, just picking men and you don't give respect to the women out there. We're going to do both. Now, if you think that a woman is the best wrestler of the year, Jay, you can say that, you know, they're your wrestler of the year, and 
honorable mention, the guy, there's a guy too, but how about you start start us off with Male Wrestler of the Year and uh, maybe give us a little idea why you think that. So I totally messed the, these categories up. I, I'm telling everybody right now that I typed in like two or three people for one category. So that's kind of what I'm going with. All right. Um, honorable mentions here. Flush it, we can flush it out a little bit more. So my actual wrestler of the year, the person who I think has been the best performer all year, week in, week out, from what I've seen, is Seth Rollins. I think he's wrestled tremendous match after tremendous match all year long um, between the Wyatt feud, the Evolution feud, turning heel, main eventing pay-per-views, you know, helping John Cena out, wrestling good matches. I think he's absolutely been the guy who has been the MVP of the WWE and has done the most to help them this year. Now, if you say wrestler of the year in terms of going over, in terms of what they've done with him, um, as far as making him seem like a big-time guy, I'd have to give that to Brock Lesnar. I don't think he's the best wrestler of the year, but they've made him look like a million bucks, which he probably makes more than that per year, and they've really pumped him up. But my wrestler of the year, in terms of the guy who's been the best performer, in my mind, uh, has been Seth Rollins. Um, Seth Rollins would be my number two pick. But I'm going, um, and let's say this before we get into all these things. Pretty much everything that Jason is going to give you is going to be a North American television product. I've been lucky enough by, you know, paying for the G1 Climax, which I spoke about earlier in the year, and seeing some of the other stuff now with New Japan World, which is a great streaming service. Some of my picks are going to be New Japan, and my rest of the year is in New Japan. It's a guy that all of you out there who, who watch wrestling and have given more than just the WWE a try over the years will know him, but guy who is phenomenal, the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. What he's done from getting through an awful first half of the year in TNA with a terrible storyline that didn't pay off, but still had some good matches with the Matt which with Magnus before he left, and then having an incredible run in New Japan pro wrestling this year, I would have to say he's my wrestler of the year. And I think Rollins is a very close number two. I know you didn't see it. I know you didn't see the second half of the run for AJ, but you know, and it, it does hurt the fact that AJ has been one of the biggest stories of the year. Unfortunately, with the results of people not being able to, tuck, you know, with people tucking their head and people getting hurt with the Styles clash. But I think AJ Styles, had, because of what he's done as a foreigner, getting their title, being one of the MVPs of the G1 this, this past year, I think AJ Styles is my wrestler of the year. Right. I mean, like I said, hopefully uh, people will be able to see more of him now that we have New Japan World. A lot of other stuff going on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it there. Now let's let's stay on the positive before we get a little fun with the negative. Who is your Who's your female wrestler of the year? I think we might have the same person, so this might be yeah. somewhat of a short conversation. But uh, let, let's let's start there. Who is your female wrestler of the year? So it's funny we talk about this all the time in terms of how the women on the main roster are looked at and how the women on the NXT are looked at. 
And I think it's an issue. And and that's why I think that my vote is going to be biased, because I think if Paige was in NXT, if AJ was in NXT, if Alicia Fox was in NXT, I think they could easily get this vote. I've loved what, the, what Alicia's done, and I think she's been underrated, but they haven't done enough with her. Paige has kind of had this weird, funny, funky run, and AJ's always solid, but really hasn't given us a lot of outstanding work this year. And that being said, you've got someone on NXT who I love, Sasha, Bailey, but the person I have to give it to, surprisingly, someone who's not on the main roster, and that would be Charlotte. I think she's wrestled amazing matches with uh, Nat, Natalia, with Sasha Banks, and I mean, her matches have been the most entertaining women's matches that I've watched this year, and she's been in them. I mean, I would say the the last show that she had with Sasha Banks. That was the second best match on the show, in my opinion. Maybe the best match. And um, I have enjoyed her work immensely. She still needs to get better. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen to her on the main roster. And she's going to be wrestling in Diva's Santa Claus matches. But, you know, for for this year, what she's done and her performance in the ring has been phenomenal. So uh, I definitely have to give it to Charlotte. And you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I think it was, I think you could pick one of maybe three people. AJ, Natalia, or Charlotte, and I think Charlotte was most likely in the, like you just said, I'm repeating what you're saying here, was mostly in the best two female women's matches of the year, and I think she has improved leaps and bounds from what we saw, you know, when she first premiered late, you know, late last year, pretty much. It's amazing how fast she has taken things up, but her match with Natalia and then her match with Sasha Banks are two of the best matches, women or men's, I've seen this seen this past year. Those are matches that when you watch those, I don't think you, the first thing you think is great match, not great women's match. I agree. Now, let's have a little fun here. Who would you say is, you could say, we'll be nice here. We'll just go worst wrestler of the year. You can be a man or we're not have to do, we're not gonna we don't have to go and uh unless you oh, have if one if it's woman, that's an easy one. <laughs> okay. Cameron. Cameron. She I wanna puke when that woman's on my TV screen. Cameron is a, her Eva Marie are the they're the worst. They are the worst. They are putrid to watch on my television screen, Corey. You know, worst wrestlers are hard one though, because all these guys are professionals, right? And they get, I mean, you know, let's be honest, not to be a jerk, but some of the women, Cameron and Eva Marie, like they, they, they don't love wrestling. They're in it because they got, they want to be famous and they got a foothold in and that's why they're there. Um, they don't love the business, in my opinion. It doesn't seem like they do anyway. And so I think measuring them against someone like, you know, Adam Rose, for instance, who would be a really top candidate for me, is tough. Uh, worst wrestler of the year. God, I mean, a lot of guys you can put. One guy who never wins, and I i don't know if I've ever seen him wrestle a good match. I mean, it's got to be the, what do they call him, the redneck rock star, Heath Slater. I mean, he is... 
putrid. He, he's just, he's awful. Um, and you know what you're in for with this match. It's going to be a jobber squash match. Maybe he has a lot of ability. I, I don't know, but I, I haven't seen it. So I, I guess I'm going to go with Heath Slater. With honorable mention to Cameron and Eva Marie. You know what? Your first choice is actually my choice. I am saying Cameron, girl, bye. Girl, leave. Girl, get off my TV screen. Hey, if you were Forever. sitting, if you were at a bar and you came up and said hi to me, that's one thing. Seeing you on my TV screen in a wrestling capacity is another. You can't act. You can't work. You're terrible. So, and I, I kind of find Heath Slater at times funny. So I think there's something there that I can't say Slater's the worst guy of the year. But um, all right, so like, so we both have, so you have Slater, I have Cameron. I think we're going good so far. It's an interesting uh, little thing here. So let's let's go with a little um, tag team of the year. Now, once again, I think there's a couple of easy choices here. But if you don't watch more than WWE, I think your choice may not be ours. So, Jay, I'm going to go first this time. Just, you know, because you've gone first the last two times. Let's shake it up a little bit. I think there are two choices here for tag team of the year. I think it's either Red Dragon or it's the Young Bucks. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with Red Dragon because of some of the matches that I saw with them on the doing other other people's styles when the G1 uh, G1 Finals when they faced the Time Splitters their matches against the Young Bucks they just got they're just so smooth and they adapt to other people's styles so well that I and I think that their team if given a chance some point to go to the WWE. I think that a guy like Bobby Fish, his facials and the stuff that he does, I think could get over. And I think that Riley is just a great, great wrestler himself. <laughs> I think they have great chemistry. Uh, I'm going to go with Red Dragon as my tag team of the year, but Young Bucks are damn good. Yeah, I, I, I definitely give it a Red Dragon. I, I like the Young Bucks a lot. I do, you know, people have criticized them for being kind of spot monkeys. And so I get that. And I like the Red Dragon style. I think if they went to the WWE, who the hell knows what they would do with them. But they are kind of made for the WWE. Kyle O'Reilly is not great on the mic. Bobby Fish could carry them. Could carry them. They do have a gimmick where they, they, they'll dress in these, you know, they'll dress in these funny clothes. And, you know, Bobby Fish will kind of be a jerk. Um, so they have a great style. They have a really good gimmick. They had, they can wrestle anybody at any time. Um, I, I I did not see them wrestle a bad match once this year. Um, and they wrestled every tag team, basically all the major tag teams. They're just really fun to watch. And um, they're, they're absolutely my tag team of the year. Um, there's not a close second, really. Um, I do respect what the Usos have done on the, you know, WWE level because it's hard every week to do what they've done. Um, I, yeah, and that's really it. The Wyatts, the Shield, I couldn't really give it to them because they weren't really tag teams per se. Um, you know, stable would be a little bit of a different situation, but yeah, i definitely give it to the Red Dragon. I think they're fun. I think they're funny. I think their style's awesome, and I think their matches are phenomenal. And you know what? I think... Uh... You want to go there. I mean, I think the worst tag team of the year 
just because they're just they never win, they just are basically there. And I think when you say the worst tag team, sometimes based on their situation, it doesn't mean that they're the worst wrestlers. But I'm going to give that to the El Matadors because they're just the gimmick's terrible. They just feel to me. I think they feel lost out there at times. And it's a team that you know what you see on Raw and you go. Usually you just groan saying, "All right, they may put on a good match, but this is there's, there's no point." Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Don't really have too much to add. Um, they're a jobber tag team, so that's that's their role. They get paid to lose basically every match. They did win yesterday, but um, they basically get paid the job every match, and that's kind of where they kind of where they are. Uh, let's go with a little uh, feud of the year. I think, like I said, I'm, I think feud of the year. It all depends on how how you know how long a feud goes, in your opinion, if that matters, or if you know personally, if you just like something or don't like something. You know, a lot of people thought a couple of years, you know, the feud of the year was, you know, maybe NX uh, the NXT, you know, the original NXT against basically the WWE versus the WWE. But if you didn't like how that ended, you may not think that's the feud of the year. But I think there's a couple of ways you can go with this. A f- you know, maybe the beginning of the year, the feud of the year might have been Triple H versus um, Daniel Bryant. You can go with, you know, the the Shield versus the Whites. You know, you can go with, you know, Okada versus Styles. You can go with, you know, maybe Bobby Roode versus Bobby Lashley. I mean, there's a couple of places you can go. Uh, but, Jay, where would, where do you go for your feud of the year? Oh, man, there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can go. You mentioned one of them, the Wyatts and the Shield. Um, I think Cena Lesnar was actually a really good feud. Um, you go with Adam Cole and Briscoe. I think they messed that up when they had Elgin win the title. I think I may have even given it to them. When they had Elgin win the title, I think that kind of screwed everything up. You know, I'm gonna give it to two. I'm gonna give it to two guys who I love. Two guys who the WWE actually made the main event of a pay per view, other than Cena, which I can't remember really the last time they've done that. Um, they've wrestled good quality matches and um, they had a lot of fun doing it. I'm gonna give it to Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose as the feud of the year. And I know, oh, it's, you know, not New Japan and Ring of Honor and the Independence. But you know what? These guys headlined pay-per-views. They did a great, they main evented Raws, and they were stars. Um, they told great stories. It was a long, drawn-out feud, which we always say we want to see. Um, I think both guys got better as the feud went on, especially Rollins with that snarmy, smarmy, you know, snarky heel. And um, they wrestled great matches. So... I'm going to give that my feud of the year. I like that. I mean, that mo- that might have been my runner-up, but I think you, I would personally, I think you got to go with Shield versus the Whites because of how good those matches were, how it made people who could have been thought of as mid-card guys feel special, the way the crowd reacted, what that blossomed into with the Shield then, you know, moving on to face Evolution. You know, you could say the feud of the year is just the Shield. You could actually say how everything has gone there, but I'm going to go with Shield versus Wyatt's. And I think it's going to be very interesting where all these guys go later. And I think 
with that feud made you want to actually care about five out of the six guys that were involved in that feud. And sorry, everybody's favorite, you know, uh, Vintner. Big Big Red, I guess we're calling him now, who we haven't seen on TV now like in th- two weeks. So I think his push is, is done. Hopefully. I'm, I'm all set. Him solving, you know, a Rubik's Cube for stuff, I guess. Uh, I guess he could have figured it out. That's why he hasn't been on our TV the last couple of weeks. But I'm going to go with the Shield versus the Wyatts. I think that was incredible. It, it helped everyone that was in that feud. So I think that's where I'm going there. But like I said, you give honorable mentions. To a lot of other things. So, let's see. Let's. You want to go with the. Um, you want to stick with. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You know, story. Uh, you want to. You want to go with the pay per view of the year, or do you want to go with the feud of the. Um, wherever the, you, the match of the year. Where, wherever you want to go, brother. You you tell me where you want to go. All right. Let's let's go match of the year. Let's 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 take a big hitter here. Match of the Some year. Good candidates for this one. Let's see. I mean, I think you can go a lot of places here. I don't think my, I don't think any of them will be ones that were up for a slammy this year. Personally, I mean, I think you could start with the very beginning of the year with last year's Royal Rumble between Wyatt and uh, Daniel Bryant. That was a tremendous match. Yeah, you can go with some of the ROH matches between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, which we saw live in uh, New York City. And maybe the idea that we saw it live, it makes it even cooler. Uh, you can go with pretty much almost any match with Seth Rollins this year. Yeah. You can go with, you know, like I said, you can go uh, pretty much almost any match with AJ Styles from the G1 this past year because he really might have been the MVP of that tournament. And like I said, you, you can go with, you know, something as... As simple from a couple of weeks ago, which I think is, I wouldn't put in this class. You can go with, you know, that three-way ladder match from Lucha Underground with uh, Puma, Mundo, and Big Rig, which was a really good match. I mean, you can go with the actual, you know, match that we saw last pay-per-view, TLC. You can go with the tables match. You can go with the IC title match, with the ladder match, which, which was incredible. A lot of different ways you can go, but... Jay, what, what what really stuck out to you this year? Um, a couple of matches. So one match I really, really enjoyed, and I talked about this at the time, the Daniel Bryan Triple H match. I thought they told a tremendous story, and I really enjoyed that match. Um, that's one. Um, this is just a couple that I typed down. Sure. The, the, uh, the Red Dragon Bad Influence, or whatever, they, whatever they're calling Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. Okay, from the first pay-per-view. Um, that was a really long, fun match to watch. All four veterans in the ring doing a f- tremendous job. But my match of the year, um, and I, you know, I went back and looked at old pay-per-views and results and thought about what stood out to me. What did I kind of mark out for? Um, and I would say my match of the year was the fatal four-way for the NXT title with uh, Adrian Neville, uh, Tyson Kidd, Tyler Breeze, and Sami Zayn. I think that was the match that I enjoyed the most this year. Um, and, you know, we're going NXT a lot, and, and I get that. But the match was incredible. It was an incredible, incredible match. Um, and it was absolutely my favorite match of the year. And I'm smiling here because I thought about that. 
But I'm going with another NXT match from this past year, which I I think is the match of the year. It was from the first NXT special, NXT Arrival. A guy who I almost put as, would have been my number three choice for wrestler of the year, won Sami Zayn versus the guy who, maybe because he's Swiss, he doesn't get it. But Sami Zayn versus Cesaro. That was a great match, great story. Sammy didn't win that match, but after that match, you realized that he could be a star. Cesaro was incredible. It was a match that you wish was on for a larger audience. It was a match that showed you that guys can tell a story and also put on a great match. I know that you... You know what else, you know what else Corey? I'm sorry to interrupt. But listen, if you're listening to our podcast, you probably watch NXT. If you aren't watching NXT, if us, our results and what we're saying, wrestler of the year, match of the year, if this tells you anything, is that you have to start watching that show. You have to start watching NXT. And we're going to highlight them the more we go on with this award show. Because it's tremendous, they do tremendous, tremendous work down there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And the talent's great and whatever, whatever. We could go into that till the cows come home. But they do a tremendous job. And you're right, Corey. The Cesaro match with Sami Zayn was 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 great. It was a it was a phenomenal match. Um really, really, really enjoyed it. Um and you know, I, I don't know. It's it just it was a great match. Um I wanna hear your thoughts if you have any more in the match. But I but I've been starting out mostly. Um let's talk about the most improved wrestler of the year. Someone who, going into the year, we didn't maybe think much of, but as the year wore on, we really became more and more enthralled with, and we saw their improvement either through promo work, through, um, you know, in-ring work, or both. Who, who's your guy for the year? Um, you know what? I'm going to go with... It's going to be a cheap thing, because I think I, I just said him, and it's going to make me sound like a guy who's... Because I watched him here and here, and I didn't know that he could be as good as he could because we never saw him without a mask on. But I'm going with El Generico, Sami Zayn, as my breakout star, most improved, however you want to classify this. I mean, you can give an honorable mention to, you know, Tyler Breeze, Rusev, who you were higher on than I was. I thought it was a one, you know, basically a one-trick pony, but it's turned out to be pretty successful for what it is. But I, I would go with... Uh, Sami Zayn, I think he's created himself. He's learned. He's learned how to talk. He's slowed down the style. All the things that McMahon would say would be problems with Dolph Ziggler. He's great in the ring. He really has a, a personal touch that the audience can engage with. He feels like the closest thing to Daniel Bryan that they have. Who, if they brought him up, they can tell that underdog story that one day this guy could be means so much to the crowd that he could maybe be a key story at WrestleMania. And I know what Um, yours is. Well, I know what yours is because you are captain because you, you, I I believe you might be a member of his, of his fan club. Well, I have a couple of guys. Well, there's two different categories. You said breakout star and then there's most improved. And I have two separate guys for that. The most improved guy this year for me is Luke Harper. Um, Going into the year, 
you know, he's with the Wyatt family. He really didn't do much. Um, you know, he was fine. Uh, but he has gotten better every week with his promos. His accent still is not so good, but he's gotten better with his promos every week. He's gotten better with his in-ring work every week. And I really just enjoy watching the guy wrestle. Um, so for me, it, it, watching his improvements been been just awesome. Um, so I, I would definitely go with Luke Harper. Is that who you thought I was going to say? Uh, no. <laughs> I gotcha. Who'd you think I was going to say? Uh, Adam Cole. <laughs> well, <laughs> now let's go to that. This is going to be breakout star of the year. So this is someone who we saw their star shining bright. We saw the potential for them to become this person. And they became what we thought they could become. Um, Adam Cole was a guy who Ring of Honor loved. And, you know, he had a pretty good run last year. Um, but, but this year, he has become the MVP of Ring of Honor. I mean, if he wasn't on that show... I'll be honest with you, there wouldn't be a whole lot more there. I like Ring of Honor, but he has become the person. His matches, main events and shows, every time. Um, his promos have just been phenomenal. And as far as a breakout star, and you can put him in as wrestler of the year and so on and so forth, but breakout stars, the category I would put him in this year, and I think he's, I don't, It's not, to me, it's not even close. And I do have, I'm, I am a Adam Cole fanboy. So I'll, I'll say that because I've liked him for a long time. But what he's done this year, I think, has been great. Well, I think my breakout star then would be ACH. I think what ACH has shown his athleticism and everything he's done inside that ring this year has made, for someone who really wasn't sure what he was when he was just a tag team wrestler, I think he's really figured out what he is. I mean, I don't know if he can talk yet, but I think that the matches he's had with, you know, Jay Lethal and everything else, I think has really worked. I think it's going to be really phenomenal to see what he does with Alberto Del Rio, Alberto El Patron, you know, in the next, in the beginning of next year with ROH, but I think his work has been really good and it's opened my eyes to what this kid could be. And it's, it's still amazing to me how the WWE did not uh, sign him to a developmental deal. Yeah, I agree. Um, ACH is my dude. I could see ACH being a breakout star next year. Um, I think Ring of Honor should continue to push him and continue to do a lot with him. Um, you could also could have given it to Cedric Alexander um, in Ring of Honor because they started really giving him a little bit more of a push. But... Um, for me, the guy is definitely Adam Cole. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, um, and we'll be back. We have more best of and worst of, and um, we're coming back. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Hey, let's get one thing straight. Brock Lesnar is not here to put smiles on people's faces. Brock Lesnar is here to shock the WWE Universe and put tears in the eyes of children. Workshoot Wrestling Podcast continues on with its best and worst of the year. Uh, you know, just quick highlights. Seth Rollins, AJ Styles are... Our choices individually for Wrestler of the Year, 
We both went with Charlotte Female Wrestler of the Year. We both really hated Cameron's work this year. Uh, Red Dragon, our Tag Team of the Year, both of us. And uh, for Match of the Year, we both went in the NXT direction. I went with Sami Zayn versus Cesaro. And Jay went with the four-way with Tyler Breeze, Adrian Neville, Tyson Kidd, and the aforementioned Sami Zayn. I believe that's everybody. Yeah, we got a couple more for you. Corey, where do you want to start with our uh, next category here? Uh, let's let's go with let's go with biggest news story of the year. Now, there's a lot of stuff okay. we can go here. We can go with TNA, you know, almost no longer you know existing. We can go with the WWE Network as a whole with the launch and its struggles. We can go with you know New Japan Pro Wrestling World, another streaming site service. We can go with CM Punk deciding to uh, talk on the art of wrestling and go and joining the UFC. We can go with, you know, with I think might be both of our picks, may not be. Go with uh, some guy who uh, is no longer undefeated at WrestleMania, Undertaker losing. Uh, Jay, are any of those your choice or are you going to go somewhere totally different? God, um, you know, I typed in a couple of things. Um, one of them I had was Daniel Bryan's injury. Um, CM Punk leaving is a big one. And I think CM Punk was my second biggest one. But I've got to go with the thing that has changed the WWE, has changed their economics, has changed how the product is viewed, and could possibly change the future of their company. And that's the WWE Network, the launch of the network. Um I don't think any of us suspected it would be what it is in terms of the volatile, volatile, volatility in the numbers and the subscription numbers and how things have gone and how that's changed the pay structure for guys and maybe why some guys like CM Punk didn't stay and why some guys like AJ Styles didn't come in. Um, for me, it's got to be the network. It has been... A change. I mean, we can watch every pay-per-view now for $9.99. Um, however, we don't know how the guys are getting paid, you know, on the other end of it. And so I think it's really led to, uh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet, but I think it's absolutely the biggest story of the year. Um, and I think CM Punk leaving is a close second. Uh, but I have to give it to the launch of the WWE Network and everything that's happened as a result. I'm going to give an honorable mention, and Jay, you may not agree with this one, but I'm going to say biggest news story of the year has been the success of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. How do you not go there? I think that's the obvious choice. No, um, I'm going to go with you. I think the biggest story of the year is the WWE Network, because this is going to be long-term ramifications for years to come. I think if, if it wasn't the network, I think it would be The Undertaker losing and how they've played this out with Brock Lesnar and not having a champion for, you know, on TV basically for, you know, for a quarter of the year. But I think you got to go with the WWE Network. And if there was no WWE Network, I don't think we have New Japan World now. So, I mean, I think it's a snowball effect. And as big as a story as CM Punk is... 
I don't know if one man leaving means as much as a whole new way of watching and a way for people to go and view a product that they may have never really had a chance to watch because of the cost margin. Now, let's go with uh, best performer on the mic. I guess we'll say that. This could be a wrestler. It could be a manager. It could be an advocate. It could be, you know, the best guy. When you listen to them on the microphone, it works for you. I think my choice may not be the correct choice, but I think their work this year has surprised me so much that it's really been, I really have, you know, enjoyed it so much. And I'm going to say that they're the best promo person of the year. Now, Jay, I can, can I guess who you're going to go with? Or do you want to just say who you have? Because I think I know who you pick, but let's, let's see who you have. Yeah, I'm going to go with Paul Heyman, obviously, with an honorable mention to Bray Wyatt, who I think promos sometimes are all over the place. But I think that's kind of how they've written for him. Uh, but in terms of delivery and kind of how he does his promos, I think they're phenomenal. Uh, and I think, so I go with Paul Heyman with an honorable mention of Bray Wyatt. Now, I think that 99 out of 100 people will say Paul Heyman. And I and he's great. And maybe some point down the road we'll talk about his uh, documentary, which I got a chance to watch on the WWE Network this past weekend, which was terrific and a really interesting look at a man who's for the last, you know, 30 years has been an integral part of the product. But I'm going to go with Lana. I think Lana, when we saw her initially, you thought she was just another pretty Despite face. Despite her really bad Russian accent. She's just... She loses every now and then. Yeah, but you know what? She controls the crowd. She She's... I don't think Rusev by himself anybody would care about but Lana has been such an integral part to that act that I really think her her work on the mic has really helped that become something to care about. I mean, you know, like I said, I, the the I right choice. One. I like. I think. I think that's an interesting one. I'm I'm glad at least Lana's getting some love because I do think that she's done a tremendous job with Rusev. I think she's helped carry him to you know where he's been. So I, I I agree. I mean, I don't I don't think she's number one, but I definitely would give her give her an honorable mention, no doubt about it. And like I said, I mean, I know the right answer is more than likely would be the guy that you pick, Paul Heyman. But I, like I said, I I don't know. I just think Lana has made a character that would otherwise be basically to me, a, you know, a mid card joke. And I think she's really helped with all the stuff with Putin and everything else. Mm-hmm. I think it's really made this angle work. And without her, I don't think he'd even... He may not even be on the main roster anymore. Or he'd have a new gimmick. Now, one thing, we've been talking a lot of positive. So, uh, you know, and it's been good. But I want to go with something negative. We're going to go with the worst storyline slash angle this year. That's different than worst gimmick, which we'll get to. And I think you guys will be able to predict who we're going to pick. But worst storyline for me, meaning it just did not work. And was a disaster. I think we could have the same one. And we may have the same one. I'm going to go with hashtag skinny jeans. I believe we have the same one. (laughs) Them bringing Batista in as a baby face. And how much the fans shit on that. And did not want to see that. 
Um, it was some idea from Vince who didn't know his audience and he thought he could tell his audience what they would like and what they wouldn't like. And he didn't listen to them. They brought Batista in as a big baby face like The Rock and the fans shit on it and didn't want to see it. And they changed things around. I mean, the fans literally just changed things around. Um, and it's funny now because now the fans just kind of go with what the WWE does now. But I digress. Definitely has to be, for me, the Batista thing. Um, and that sparked off a chain of events. CM Punk's displeasure getting worse. You know, that moaning and groaning. Um, and so, and, and that's also a reason why Batista's not there anymore as well. It doesn't, doesn't feel like they protected him well in that spot. And, I mean, he's making movies, but, I mean, he would have he still been there if he thought they were protected in the right way. And his run really was a disaster because of it. Yeah. And I'll give it an honorable mention to worst storyline because it was terrible and it's been, appears it's been almost, you know, been dropped out of nowhere. I'm going to say uh, the Bella twins, you know, supposedly hating each other and then, you know, all of a sudden now they're back together. So I'm going to go with an honorable mention of that, but I think easily hashtag skinny jeans has got to be the, uh, the worst, worst of the worst for this past year. I agree. Now let's go positive. What was your what was the best storyline for you? What was the storyline that 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 got you the most that you were most intrigued by? We may we're gonna have some honorable mentions. We're gonna have some things we we feel for sure. Um, but what do you think? Um, this was a hard one for me actually because I'm not really sure what wh- where I would go with this. I mean. I think the whole entire redemption storyline with Sami Zayn over the last, you know, month or so and making it a storyline over the month, but the progression from losing every big match and losing every match at a NXT special and then ending it with him winning the title. And as he wins the title, it starts a new, you know, a new chapter with his, his best friend of his very best friend with Kevin Owens turning on him. I think I think that's where I would go. All right. I, I've got to go with the obvious, which is, and they did start botching it before he got hurt, but I have to go with the Daniel Bryan storyline. I think the power that the fans ended up taking over, basically, and turning Daniel Bryan into the star that he became, and having this five foot nine, 200 pound guy beat Triple H and then beat Batista and Orton to win at WrestleMania. Um, and, and kind of how that all came about and the excitement behind it and how good a lot of those Raws were because it was him and Triple H and Stephanie out there. Um, I have to go with the Daniel Bryan storyline as far as, you know, most impactful thing. And you know what I'm going to give a kind of a, a little aside to? I really enjoyed what they did with Bobby Lashley and TNA. Just kind of his rise and... You know, what they've done with him and, and, and making him this big monster and how they put him over and he barely talked and MVP and Kenny King did the talking and just kind of his rise. I thought that was one, I think that's one of the best things that Impact has, they've ever done, to be honest with you. And um, so I really enjoyed that too. But Daniel Bryan would be my number one. You know, it's funny going back for a second with, you know, ang- you know, best angle and different things. Something that at the time seemed like it was a pretty big thing and 
maybe because Impact has been out of our minds, and I totally forgot about it, but one of the biggest things that happened this year was Dixie Carter going through a table. And now, yeah, what, six months true. later, it's almost like it never happened. Totally forgotten about it. Yeah. And you know what? And I'm going to give... That, that's, go ahead. And just to go back, because things pop in your head, my breakout star, might even though he's hurt right now, going with TNA again, I think might be EC3. Ethan Carter III really became a great character this year and was really, really good. And it's a shame that he's going to be out for the beginning of the year. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, best new gimmick. Um, that basically means a wrestler who just came in this year, um, and we've got a lot of candidates for Lamus gimmick, that's for sure. Some of them aren't even basically in the WWE anymore, or whatever company that they were in. Um, but what would you go with for best gimmick? Whether gimmick you enjoyed the most, or gimmick that you felt was most impactful um, in the current uh, promotion, what do you think? This is so not the right answer, but every time I sure. see him, it makes me laugh. It's going to be Enzo Amore and Colin Ka- and uh, and Big Cass with uh, with Soft. I think that is just before this year. I thought the two of them were a waste of human space, and but you know what? Now I think that they could have a chance to have. Just as comedy guys, but have a have an impact on the main roster at some point. Okay, All right. I'm actually going to go with a little different. I'm I'm thinking more of guys who are on the main roster already, okay. um, because we've seen some of these angles work in NXT and not work on the main roster. But one angle that has carried through, and I don't love it, and it's kind of cheesy '80s, you know, whatever. The Rusev Lana storyline has worked. They he does get heat. They do boo him. And the gimmick has worked out well. He's continued to get a big push, even as guys like Adam Rose and Bo Dallas have gone by the wayside. And so I have to give it to Rusev as far as the best new gimmick. I don't love it. I think the gimmick's pretty cheesy. However, the audience has gravitated to it, and it's worked. So I have to give it to Rusev and Lana for best new gimmick, even though it's the same old gimmick. <laughs> but, well, I'll give it to those two. Um, let's go lamest gimmick for it. Uh, could I have a tie? What a, I have a tie for this. For lamest gimmick? Yeah. I have, like, a lot of ties. So, all right, go ahead. All right. Three-way tie here. The New Day. Come on. Love those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I really think The New Day is terrible. And... Yep. Adam Rose with the bunny. Yep. And El Matador with freaking Torito. I think and as I say that, I'm t I don't want to see any more people in animal costumes. Can we bring back Matilda? I mean she's I know she's mostly been dead for you know twenty years, but is it the worst thing in the world to have an actual animal as part of the act? Damien, Matilda, uh Oh, crap, I just forgot its name. Coco Beware's Parrot. You know, I mean... I don't remember the parrot, yeah. Oh, jeez, I can't remember the name but, of the But you know what, though, Corey? You know what this... But what are two of those three things? Lame. Two of those three groups. What What are they? Mid-card crap. No. Two out of those three groups, whatever, performers, are minorities. 
WWE does not know what to do with black and Hispanic people. Like, they have no fucking idea. They don't have any idea. I mean, this New Day thing is the worst thing. It is awful. Um, and as far as my lamest gimmick, I mean, I agree with you with Adam Rose and the, the bunny is, it's just, it's absurd. Um, and again, the Adam Rose thing, it worked for two weeks at NXT. They thought they could bring it in. They thought they could push it. I think Triple H really liked it. And it's been a colossal, colossal failure. Um, I enjoyed the Bo Dallas thing. I guess it didn't work out. I think he got um, hurt. You think he got... I, I believe mean, Bo Dallas is hurt. Okay, well, yeah. Well, we'll see. But I, I, I did enjoy that. Um, the El Matadors have been there, so I just kind of... They're just they're horrible. Um, but definitely the New Day and um, definitely the Adam Rose thing. I just did not register... It didn't register with us, and it certainly did not register with the audience. I hear you. Um... All right, so what else we have? We have uh, pay-per-view of the year. Let's go to that. What, what was your pay-per-view of the year? Now, you see, I think this is a tough one because how do you judge? And I, and this is where we're going to definitely differ because you didn't see it and I did. But how do you judge the G1? Do you judge it as an entire event or do you judge it as a one day, you know, a particular day? I mean, so I'm not sure how to do that because if, I think, like, day three, I believe, or day four of the G1 is one of the best days of wrestling I've seen. I mean, you can go with any, pretty much almost any of the NXT specials. Um, I don't think there's really a TNA pay-per-view this year that was worth talking about. Uh, ROH's first show I thought was pretty solid. Uh, is an eye pay-per-view considered, you know, pay-per-view of the year? Because... I yeah, think absolutely. I, I think put the, paper in there. I think the super show that we saw between ROH and New Japan, I think was terrific. I mean, you know, it had possibly, you know, one of the best matches of the year, which we spoke about in passing. You know, say it again, an honorable mention that you know the Bucks versus Red Dragon. Um, I'm going to go with the, but like I said, it depends on what you think. I'm going to go with the G1 as a whole, but if you had to say one day, I'd most likely say. Day four of the G one. Um, gosh, I don't know, Corey. There's so many ways you can go. Um, I mean, this is gonna be cheesy, but I did put in. I I really enjoyed WrestleMania. I know it's the number one Super Bowl show, and we should say something different. But I really, really enjoyed WrestleMania from the beginning with Hogan and The Rock and Austin to a lot of the things that they did. Um, I enjoyed SummerSlam quite a bit. All the NXT shows I really liked. And I guess I feel bad because I felt like they're almost all... Interchangeable? Man. It's it's tough. I'm going to go with WrestleMania just because I enjoyed the build-up of the storyline with Daniel Bryan and us speculating, what are they going to do with him? Are they going to give him the title? Is he going to win both matches? How are they going to screw him out of it? Um, the match with Triple H that he wrestled, that was tremendous. Um, how physically hurt Brian seemed and still gutted that performance out. Um, I, I, I'm going to give it to WrestleMania this year. 
Um, I think next year I will, will not be giving it to WrestleMania <laughs> from what we're seeing as far as what these matches might be. But for this year, I'm going to give it to WrestleMania. I really, really enjoyed the show. All right. Um, sticking with, uh, with uh, you know, best show, best TV. What's the best TV show week in, week out? I think it's. I think we're both going to have the same answer. And I don't. And from what everybody's heard, I think it's pretty obvious. But let's give you a couple yeah, of choices I, here: Lucha yeah, Underground, T, uh, Impact Wrestling, Raw, SmackDown, uh, ROH, main event. R, uh, main event, Superstars. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm forgetting an important one. But, you know, whatever yeah. R, ROH's show. But what is your show yeah. of the year? What is your I'll TV show this, of the year? This is what I'll say. If, this, if we did this last year, I would have said ROH last year. I really enjoyed their show. They used to do this inside Ring of Honor thing where they would kind of tell you some of the angles and kind of get you familiar with some of the wrestlers. I loved their show last year. And they would have easily been number one for me. And they're still up there. I still really enjoy their show, but I thought they haven't done a good enough job of piecing together storylines. It's kind of like they have a match, and then they have another match, and they have another match. And that's great, and I like seeing good matches, but I also want to know what's going on with the storylines. Like, you need to take, your TV show needs to lead me to the pay-per-view. You need to tell me a story that leads me to your pay-per-view. And I felt like Ring of Honor really struggled with that this year, so I can't give it to them. Lucha Underground's not been around long enough, so I, you know, we don't really even know what it is. Mm-hmm. So they haven't been around long enough. Raw is, I mean, I, I live treat the, the mofo every week, and uh, good God, there's no way I could ever give it to them. SmackDown is a rehash of Raw. I mean, it's Raw 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if they ever did brand split and gave SmackDown its own show, but we know that's not going to happen. Um, Superstars are main event. I mean, I don't even watch those shows. Um... You could give Total Divas an honorable mention, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> it's a wrestling show. Oh, is it's that the show that show. I? Wait, is that the show that I forgot to mention? Sure, Total Divas. Total Divas. I feel there's yeah. another one though that I forgot to mention. It might be the, the show. The here. show that the, the show for me, and I'm sure for Corey too. It's NXT. I mean, oh, that's it, NXT. I know I forgot to name something. <laughs> for me, it's got to be NXT. I mean, they have. Their shows were good. They had stories to get you ready for their pay-per-views. The one advantage they had that Raw didn't have is, one, it's an hour show. Two, their pay-per-views were, were, and then they're not pay-per-views, but their super shows were months, were months in building. So they weren't just, okay, we have a show this week, and then next month, three weeks. And, you know, so they really were able to build toward it. They're, they do have problems. Sometimes they have too many jobber matches and things like that. But it's the most enjoyable hour of wrestling that I've watched this year on a consistent basis. And um, yeah, you have to. I mean, I look forward to watching NXT every week. And um, I can't say that for Raw and SmackDown. So we're gonna go with NXT. And uh, I I gotta go with NXT too. I think week in week out, it's the best show. Keyword key there is an hour. There are there are shows that are not great, but as a consistent product and building to things that you care about, and it's really the main reason why I have the network 
yes, you want to see all the pay-per-views, but I feel the main reason that I keep the network and now that it's no longer, you know, a six-month commitment, watching NXT every week. Yeah, I guess you can still watch it on Hulu, but watching NXT on the network is is really must-watch TV every week. And I don't know if you can really say that about any other wrestling product right now. And to yeah, just and just to let people know on something we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, uh, Bo Dallas injured his left foot in November, and it was reported he would be out of action around six to eight weeks. So it looks like he should be back most likely in another month or so. So just to let people know who uh, might have been wondering or saying, really, guys, you don't know that you know Bo Dallas is hurt. So I want to let people know mm-hmm. that just so you know. They know that we we have their best interest in mind. But before we get to best promotion of the year, which we're going to differ on, I know. Let's go with something a little fun here. Best announcer, worst announcer. Whichever one you want to do first, whichever you want to just get off your chest. I think worst announcer will be funnier, but best announcer might be harder to figure out. I don't really... Corey, is this bad? <laughs> I don't have a best announcer. Ouch. I'm, I don't have a, I could say Matt Stryker. I like what he's done. But, you know, as guys like Court Bauer and others have said, he hams it up a little bit too much with bashing the WWE and whatever. But I've let, I've enjoyed his work with Lucha Underground, but it's only been a couple of weeks. Um, whoever does uh, NXT is a jobber. <laughs> um, and, I mean... I don't know Renee Young. I, I she that's my girl. I think she's done a really good job. I, I, I would have given it to Regal had they kept him as an announcer. Um, I guess Renee Young kind of by default. All right, I like Renee Young. I would have I would have accepted William Regal because he was on the show for a good part of the year, and him and him and Renee have great chemistry. But I'm gonna say yeah. my my announcer of the year. And if you would have said this a couple of years ago. I would have I would have laughed at myself, but I'm going to say Ring of Honors, not play by play guy, but color guy, won Steve Carino. Carino That's makes me one. laugh. Carino knows knows the moves. He he knows who he's supposed to put over and who he's not supposed to put over. He's really worked in the storylines that they've given him, and he's a fun, entertaining thing, and he's a good counterpoint to his at very at times. A little stiff, Kevin Kelly, who I like. But I think one of the reasons that I like Kevin Kelly is because of Steve Carino. And I just want to... really good one. I like Steve Carino. I think he's very funny. I think he works. And you did did notice a difference when they did that angle with the scum angle and um, Carino wasn't announcing. There was a stark difference in the the broadcast team. Um, Kelly was just not as good, basically, on his own. That's a really good one, Corey. I, I like that one. That, that's a good one. Um, now here's the fun right. one: so, worst announcer. Can we get a, can we get a three-way tie? And, and some, you know, and this is someone who makes the makes it worse for you as a wrestling fan. Yeah. They actually, like, it's not that they, you know, they, you know, they're there and they just stink. It's like they actually like make it less enjoyable for you to watch the show. And there's several contenders for this. Now, a lot of people want to bash Michael Cole. God bless him. I think the, the guy does what he does, and Vince is in his ear. And I mean, there's not there's not much that he can do because if you listen to these other announcers, the Tom Phillips and these guys, they're all the same guys. I can't kill Cole for that. 
one guy who is just, I, I just, it is, God bless him. He's a legendary wrestler. He's a Hall of Famer. But please get him off my television. Is is Lawler? He adds nothing to the show, Corey. He adds nothing. They were talking on Raw the other day. Now I'm going to get fired up. They were talking uh, yesterday, uh, where Luke Harper did the Michinoku driver, and JBL said that's the Michinoku driver. Lawler's like, what's the Michinoku driver? Motherfucker, you wrestle. Have you not wrestled? Michinoku, the, the dude was there. And he was wrestling. I Michinoku, did you not do you not remember who the Japanese dude was who used to do the freaking move? And what was that move that he did? I've never seen one of those before. And then JBL said, he's done it a million times. Have you been paying attention? What does he do during his broadcast? What where's his mind at? He is, he is, he's the fucking worst. He is the worst. With an honorable mention to another guy who's not watching the show at all, and that's Vampiro. He is blood-curdling bad. I don't know what, where he's at, if he's paying attention. He's Hispanic, so you'd think he would know the backgrounds of these guys, yet I have Matt Schrecker telling me all the backgrounds, and all Vampiro goes is, man, that Katrina's really hot. I'd do whatever to her. I don't, that's not, you're not analyzing wrestling. You're being a goddamn pervert. Okay? Analyze the product for me. Um, I don't want to hear that you want to bang Katrina. Yeah, she's hot. Yeah, the ring announcer's hot. Break down who these guys are. I don't know any of these guys. They're in fucking masks. They're in masks. You have to tell us about these guys and who they are so we, so the audience becomes familiar with them. Now talk about that the women are hot and oh that was a great move and blah 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 blah. Like he adds nothing. And I and I guess I'm almost more upset with, about Vampiro because it's really and their jobs are really important to make us to have us as fans who aren't don't have a lucha background, who don't know as much about lucha, understand the history of these guys. And he does such a shitty job at it it's 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 bad so Lawler's number one because I don't know what he does and Vampiro's uh, a very very close number two okay rant over <laughs> oh my alright how do I follow that up uh, I don't care what you say Michael Cole is god awful Michael Cole with Jerry Lawler and JBL trying, pretending to be, how do I put this, uh, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon with arguing with each other for three hours, you know, and at the same time trying to be playful with each other. I, I, most weeks I think that I would be better off having, you know, putting the mute button on and just watching and figuring out myself what's going on. The three of them are painstakingly hard to listen to as a group. I agree with you. Michael about, Cole gets a bad rap. What about but. the idea with Cole? What about the idea with Cole that you know? And Jr. has talked about this on his podcast and other areas. When Vince was doing the Vince, the Mister McMahon character, he wasn't on the guy's headset as much. He wasn't doing as much of that because, like, he was too busy preparing for his role. So Jr. 
really kind of had a little bit of freedom in terms of being able to do what he wants. And if you remember that attitude error is when Jr. was at his best. That's not happening now. Vince is there. He's in these guys' headset all the time. He's talking to Cole. I don't know how much of that is the reason for what's going on with Cole and why he is unlistenable. But as JR has talked more about that, I've tried to pay attention more to Cole. The one thing they do that's really bad is, one, they're so corny. And please stop laughing at every joke. If it's a fun... <laughs> they got that ho- the horrible laugh. Like, nobody's laughing. You're a freaking cornball. You don't put anything over. It's just... I mean, Cole, Cole's issue is that he's a gigantic dork. Either call the action, either call the action like it's an actual, like an MMA fight or an actual match, or be funny or give me something. Don't do, don't do neither. He does neither. And, but, you know, he's been there forever and this is what Vince wants. So, you know, what do we know? But you know what? And maybe it's because he's followed most likely the, this one of the two best announcers I've ever listened to. I wasn't alive to listen to Gordon Soley, so I can't say that. I mean, the two best announcers I've heard in my lifetime are Joey Styles and Jim Ross. And Jim Ross, when you listen to Jim Ross and when you listen to Joey Styles, they made, they gave you an emotional attachment that when they told you there was a big match going on or you have to order a pay-per-view, you believe them. I never believe anything Michael Cole says. But Michael Cole is doing a hard sell for a pay-per-view. It goes in one ear and out the other because I don't believe him. I, when I listen to Michael Cole, it feels like I'm listening to a guy who's just there to get a paycheck. But you can say that's the same exact thing with Jerry Lawler. And you know what? I used to, at one point, I thought JBL was, was one of my favorite announcers week in and week out. Since JBL has come back, he basically feels like that he's He's really he's going to a one man audience known as Vince McMahon. And you know what? If you want to keep your job and you want to get paid as much as he's mostly getting paid to do it, I guess we would do the same exact thing. But the three of them together, it makes it unlistenable some weeks. And with and maybe if it was a two hour show, it wouldn't be as noticeable. But with three hour roars, three hour pay per views, you're sitting and listening to the three of them just bickering each other for three hours. You want to stick, you know, pins in your ears so you don't have to hear it anymore. And for that reason, yeah, Taz is terrible. We all understand that. Mike Mike Tanay has turned stale, in my opinion. I, I don't hear the English, you know, version of Lucha uh, Lucha Underground, so I can't judge him here. And I'm going to take your uh, let you know. I'm going to. I'm sure that you're right. But listening to those three jagoffs do do a three hour broadcast. It makes me not want to watch wrestling some weeks. So, so you know, my worst, my worst commentator of the year is called the Raw Commentary Booth. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up. We've been doing this for a while, but I, I, I've got one more category. You may have one more too, but let me go to my last one. And mine is going to be the markout moment of the year. We've been watching wrestling for whatever thirty years or something like that, almost. And and, and so most of the stuff we know, we do a podcast every week. We read the news. We kind of have an idea of what's going on with storylines based on news items, based on our 
quote unquote expertise in, in knowing wrestling and storylines. But every now and then there's something that hits you that you didn't expect, that you didn't see coming. And we've had a couple of those this year. Um, the one I'm going to go with is the one that may be the most obvious, and that's going to be Undertaker losing at WrestleMania. If you would have followed where they went to with the stories, it would have made sense for Brock to win, but no one actually thought Brock was going to win the match. And when Undertaker lost, I, I mean, I was shocked, Corey. I like, I, I, I could not believe it. I was a grown, I'm a grown man. I was 34 years old, and I'm sitting there like a kid whose favorite wrestler lost when I was a kid, not believing it. Like I couldn't believe. I was shocked, and so. I guess that was my mark-out moment of the year, is seeing Undertaker lose at WrestleMania. My mark-out moment of the year is having uh, Ryan Alvarez on the podcast. No. Um, check check out Death of WCW. Very, very cool. Uh, let's see. Mark-out moment of the year. I, I think you got to say it's the same thing that you said with The Undertaker and the reaction of the crowd, those facials that you saw people in the crowd and everything else. Um, but I don't know. It's either that. Or it's Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan winning the title. You know, just seeing what you thought was a change to the way they do business. But I think you got to go with uh, The Undertaker. And I guess a, an honorable mention, even though it was ruined for me because I, I, you know, I read a ton of stuff. I listen to a ton of stuff. But my favorite wrestler of all time, my boyhood, my boyhood dream. The Vigilante. The vi- oh, God, how stupid is that? The Vigilante. The Vigilante. Oh. Steve Borden, Sting, in a WWE ring. You know, while two of your best workers of the company have to play dead for like five minutes. That's my, that, that would be the mark-out moment of the year if it wasn't for The Undertaker losing at WrestleMania. All right. All right, well, I got two more, two quick ones. Best promotion of the year. Now, this is going to be a tough one because... Do you consider NXT its own promotion? No. All right. So then your choices are Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, WWE as a whole, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Is there there another company I'm forgetting? I mean, neither one of us, I don't think, has seen more than two seconds in a video of maybe of, you know, AAA when... Del Rio, you know, showed up uh, showed up for a second. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, what is your promotion of the year? You know, Corey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with an N.A. on this one. Wow. I'm not, I'm not going with any. I think WWE, look, you know, looking over these pay-per-views this year and seeing their results, I think their product has really grown stale, and I think they've struggled. Um, and I think the network has not been awesome. Uh, New Japan, I don't know enough about. I, I enjoy what I've seen, but I can't say they're the promotion of the year when I, when I haven't seen them enough. Impact Wrestling almost wasn't around. Ring of Honor, I think they've made some strides, especially in terms of their pay-per-views. But I thought some of their storylines left a lot to be desired, and I don't think their you know I don't think their product was nearly as good as it was a year ago. And NXT is not its own promotion; it's part of the WWE. Um, NXT is not there to make money. It's there to develop talent. And so I can't put NXT, I know, I know we've mentioned it in terms of match of the year and stuff like that, 
And that's different than saying it as a standalone promotion, and it's not. So I'm going to go NA. I'm going to say there's no promotion for me that I've witnessed this year personally that's the best promotion of the year. I can respect that. Well, I'm going to go with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Every event I've seen this year has been really, really good. Even watching stuff, you know, like I said, the language barrier will always be a problem. And with the hope of Jim Ross coming in to give this program, you know, a little bit extra something, I'm going to say with AJ, Okada, Tanahashi, Shibata, who I think could be my wrestler of the year next year, who has just slowly gotten better, Nakamura, all these pieces have made a great puzzle. And my promotion of the year is New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now that I have New Japan World... I'm gonna be. I'm gonna get even bigger into this. And Jay, I know that you know you don't know a lot about the product, but after you know Wrestle Kingdom, I hope you'll be willing to spend the nine, the nine, a little, little less than nine dollars for the G1 next year, and you'll be able to watch a month of I think great I wrestling. Record, you know, I think I gotta get some English in there. This is biased, and it's me being me. I, I don't like movies with subtitles. I, I I need English. Like, I need, and it sucks. I don't speak Japanese. I struggled when I took Italian in high school. You took Italian? Like I need, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I took Spanish. My, yeah, yeah. No, nah, well, they had Italian, and my buddies were taking Italian, so. I was, what was her name? But anyway. <laughs> so, I was not, I you know, so other languages aren't, don't do it for me. And I need English. So... I'm always going to struggle. I'm looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom. I am going to order that. But I, I need English. I need to know what these guys are saying. I need to know where these guys are coming from. And I'm always going to have a little bit of struggle, and that's me being the whatever American, but mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what it is. All right, and our last category. We've done this podcast now for one show less than a year. What is, I was going to save this to next week, but I'm going to do it now. Jason Brooks, what is your favorite part of this past year on the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast? Oh, my God. Are we doing the self-promotion uh, bullshit? All right. I, just real quick, I, I, I've enjoyed the show immensely with you. Um, uh-huh. It's been almost a year. Um, I feel like we should, like, get drunk for the next one, for the one next week. But, um I New think Year's for baby. me, I, I think for me, us doing the show has been great. I think the CM Punk episode was my favorite episode by far. Um, when CM Punk first left and we talked about him leaving. Uh, but I also think we've had some great guests. You know, Mike, Mike, Mike Johnson, Jason Powell, Zach Zimmerman. So um, the guests and, um, you know, on that CM Punk episode have been um, what's been great about the show. And we, 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 as um, Corey and I, hope to continue to do this. I mean, you know, I don't have any kids that I know of yet, and uh, my date a 23-year-old, so I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon, hopefully. And so, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we have time on our hands, you know. Corey's busy with work, and, and so am I, but we have enough time to do the show, and we want to continue to bring a real quality show to you guys. It's important to us um, to make sure that the show is good, and we're going to continue to try to do that. So that's that's kind of where we're at. So the interviews and um, the CM Punk episode were were uh, def- 
definitely my favorite um, favorite thing that we've done this year. Um, I can't disagree can't disagree with you even if I wanted to. Uh, I think the the best moment of the year most likely was every time that you got fired up and every rant that I had to sit through, dying inside laughing. And, you know, uh, well, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure you loved the last one I just did. You know, we should take that one and just put it as like a standalone clip. <laughs> Me cursing about these stupid ass announcers. Oh, my God. But I'm going to I'm going to go and mark out for myself. My favorite thing was me losing my godforsaken mind going after the G global farce wrestling, not believing it was real, believing it was a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> I re- I don't I don't know which episode that was on. I'll have to go. Funny. <laughs> but you know, now knowing that they're going to be hosting as the the um, promotion for Wrestle Kingdom, I guess I might have been wrong. But you know, they still don't have an active roster in the in the company. You know, I wonder if when, when they're going to have to start. You know, they only have space for five hundred people in their database. So you know, it's, <laughs> you got to be careful. But uh, there's been some great moments this past year. It's always great hanging out for an hour, an hour and a half with one of my best friends in the world, if not my best friend. Um, and that would be, of course, you know, my computer. Um, <laughs> hey, it's great. To, it's, Your you know, computer does give you some gifts sometimes. GIFs? <laughs> what? Hey, go ahead. Exactly. But you know what? But honestly, if it wasn't for... Uh, the Henry Maldonados, the Andrews W's on Twitter, the Eddie Z's, the Chris, Christopher uh, Morins out there, all the people who have supported this podcast. We do this because we love doing it, and we hope next year we can give you as much happiness and joy that this, you know we've done this year. From what I've heard, you know the Larry Fries of the world and everyone else who listens every week. We appreciate your support. We'll be back next week for, I guess, a little bit of see what happens on Raw. And to mostly maybe give a couple of predictions of what we think is going to happen next year. Maybe a little standout people, people we hope get fired. Maybe not. But uh, I don't want anyone to get fired. Jesus Christ. You don't want, you don't want the bunny to get You don't want them to retire the bunny suit? I want them to retire the bunny suit, but the bunny's got some athletic ability. The bunny's got some talent. Very nice. But, uh, Jason, I think we've reached that point in the show. I am Paladin808 on Twitter. You are WorkshootPod on Twitter. Let me know what else that people need to know in order to get to follow us. You can listen to us um, a couple different ways. Um, You can listen to us at www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's www.workshoot.podomatic.com. You can go on iTunes and subscribe to us. That's the best way so you never miss a show. Uh, the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Um, just type in the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Uh, we would love your guys' feedback. Um, so those on iTunes, you can write us a, a comment. Tell us the show's great. Tell us we're the biggest pieces of crap you ever heard. Whatever, we, we encourage you to give reviews and feedback. We're also on Stitcher as well. And so we're, we're trying to get on all the platforms that we can get on. Um, so also we have a Facebook, um, the Work Shoot Podcast. 
So just type in the work shoot podcast and that's a little fan page. We put links up to different articles. We put links up to our show. Uh, so another way to get a hold of us. Oh, and don't forget punch.co 15% off type in shoot all in caps, free shipping worldwide. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Well, as we uh, put a close to 2014, one roar left. Uh, no more, no more impacts until the new year. We have one more, I guess, Lucha Underground. We got another, I guess, ROH, ROH show. I think it's been a really cool year. I believe Brock will be be there next week. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I think I saw that on the uh, for the Christmas episode for well, next week. The New Year's episode, right before New Year's. Oh, they're gonna. Is that gonna be a big episode? I thought they were gearing up for the fifth. I might be wrong. I thought I saw that. I mean, I could be wrong, but... But, you know, if Brock is there, I guess we'll have something to talk about. But if not, we'll uh, we'll make this work like we always do. So um, we're hoping to go and keep up the momentum. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. For Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next week. Jason... Enjoy whatever's left of Kwanzaa. I'm going to enjoy whatever's left of Hanukkah. And uh, we'll both go and see, you know, at least someone's Christmas tree, I guess, over the next couple of days. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Give me what it takes now.